When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. A lot of people might try to tell you, ah, Steelers fans should have seen that coming. You always lose to the team that you should beat after beating the team that you had no business beating. But I can honestly tell you, I did not see that coming at all. They should have beaten that New England Patriots team. There's been a lot of, oh, you should have won that game and you lost it. Uh, games over the years in Pittsburgh Steelers history. That one really, really stood out to me. That offense in New England was a big hodgepodge of nothingness, only to be outdone by the Steelers' hodgepodge of nothingness on their offensive side of the ball. You know what was weird, Tom, was leading up all week long, that line, that spread, I think it started at one. Vegas always and then, knows, man. And then they went always to one know. and a half, two, two and a half. And then when we got to game day, it was at three. And everyone at Pittsburgh were saying, how the hell is that possible Well, that the Steelers were really favored to lose by three points? I guess people knew something that the people in Pittsburgh didn't know. I guess so. You go back to last year and the Steelers without T.J. Watt for the entirety of a game, leaving early or missing a game completely, they were 0-4-1. Mm-hmm. Now you can add another one to that column. They're 0-5-1 dating back to last mm-hmm. year when T.J. doesn't play or misses significant time in a in a football game. I mean... A lot of people trying to make heads or tails out of that spread would say, well, the Steelers don't win without T.J. Watt. Maybe that's what Vegas is looking at. They don't have T.J. They don't win without him. The spread was already in the Patriots' favor before T.J. Watt went down, though. So if anything, maybe that just added to it. But they don't win without T.J. Watt. That, that, is, that is becoming fact now. That is adding to the lure of his value when he had his most valuable player season defensive player of the year uh campaign last year right i mean i know depoy isn't necessarily mvp but it might as well be defensive mvp it is it is it's it's we haven't seen a a defensive player win mvp league mvp in in quite some time it's been dominated by quarterbacks for the better part of a decade if not longer but he is that valuable, right? I know, Absolutely. I know, I know. Everyone likes to say, "Oh, well, you can't win MVP if you're not on the field and you're missing significant time." Well, maybe you should, just because you can see the difference in a team with or without a specific player. And now, as you stated, zero and five and one when TJ Watt misses either the entire game or what, at least fifty percent of the Some, snaps. A significant portion, yeah. I think, is how I think we should turn. That it. is value. That is, oh my gosh. 
You have yet to win a game without him since he's really turned it on into his MVP season last year. Yeah, he's that important. And, you know, it's not like the same thing as saying, oh, the Steelers would have won that game if Ben Roethlisberger was a quarterback last year when they tied the Lions when Mason was in. But I really do think that the Steelers would have won this game against the Patriots if T.J. Watt played. Case in point, Mac Jones could set up a picnic basket and blanket Mm -hmm. with the time he had in that pocket. Mac Jones isn't an elite quarterback, but he's too good of a quarterback to give that much time to. He's going to find open receivers no matter how deep down the field it is, no matter how impactful the the game is going to be. He's going to be able to find a guy that's open if you give him that much time. He's too smart of a quarterback. He was barely pressured. We all know that they didn't get any sacks by this point, but I think it was something like three quarterback hits, five pressures. I mean... The dude's jersey was as clean as it was when the game started, when the game ended. The only interse- or, sorry, the only time I can remember the Steelers getting to the quarterback was on the Minka, the Minka interception. interception. Alex, Alex Highsmith, Highsmith got leveled that. him. But that was what? One of three quarterback hits. But like, also a minute or two minutes or three minutes into the first quarter. And then you had two for the rest of the game? It's not good enough, and it's what the Steelers... DNA is, is get after that quarterback, cause him to force turnovers. That's what you just illustrated happened on that first mm-hmm. uh, early portion of the game when Minka he got saw, his interception. But That wasn't a, a, a behind-the-back hit. That was, he could see no, Alex Highsmith was, coming from a mile away, and he knew he had to get the ball out. But that was the only time he ever really felt mm-hmm. under that kind of pressure, and I wonder what the Steelers can do moving forward now to try to solve that problem, because... It's clear that Alex Highsmith can't be Batman, or at least at this point right now, it's pretty clear that he can't be. Uh, it can't just be, okay, next man up, Malik Reed steps in, Alex Highsmith does TJ Watt's workload, Cam Hayward continues to be dominant, the defensive line gets sacks. It's, it all flows from TJ's presence. And without him there, you got to get more creative. That They still didn't blitz, like, at all. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not their style and hasn't been for years, but... You have to kind of adjust that, I think, when TJ's out and send a lot of exotic blitzes Mac Jones' way. Make him think. Mac Jones is so good at thinking the game, and the thing that people credit him the most with his skill set is his ability to process defenses and make reads at a high level. Why are you making it even easier on him? Mm -hmm. Like I'm not saying you send a blitz, it's the end-all, be-all. He crumbles and you get a couple sacks and maybe a turnover off of it. Maybe he sees the blitz, pit, reads it, hits Aguilar over the middle of the field for a big gain, but make him at least do that. It just seemed like you made life very easy for Mac Jones all day on Sunday, and that's where it really starts with me, is that you can't make life that easy for a quarterback in this league. Even the Zach Wilsons of the world are probably going to mm-hmm. torch you if they have that much time. I know T.J. Watt was on the field in Cincinnati, and it's hard to compare the team with and without him, or... or draw what ifs with or without him. But there's a reason the Steelers won that game in Cincinnati. It's because they got to the quarterback seven times. Sure, T.J. Watt had a huge part of that, but he wasn't the only one getting sacks. He wasn't the only one getting pressures or QB hits. There's a reason Joe Burrow threw four interceptions and Mac Jones only threw one. It's because of that pressure that was present in week one. It was non-existent completely in week two. And I don't think it's fair to just say, oh, well, just because T.J. Watt wasn't out there means, well, we can't really get to the quarterback. 
only if he's out there, right? Oh, Alex Highsmith is rendered ineffective. But all the outside linebackers that you're left with are rendered ineffective, and and that just leaves the, the workload to be done by Cam Hayward and the defensive line. Well, that's not really fair to them either. No, it's not really fair to them either. And I don't think the defense by any stretch of the imagination played poorly in this game. Uh, 17 total points allowed, seven of which were yeah. a gimme from Gunner's uh, right. muff of the punt. Like, it's a good game from the defense. Uh, rushing wise, the Patriots ran for a buck 24 on 31 carries. So, four yards per carry. That's like. You want Average, it, to, you want it yeah. to be worse than that. Yeah. That's that's a good day on the ground for the Patriots. Uh, they couldn't get off the field in big, heavy down mm-hmm. moments. And that was their big problem, especially at the end of the game. The end of the yeah. game, and the Patriots just decided to take the ball and squeeze the air out of it. End the football game. They needed to get a couple more stops there, but you know, and I, I don't want to make excuses for the defense at all. And they certainly would be a group that would least like the excuse being made for them, but. 40-plus minutes on the field against Cincinnati in Week 1. It was like 33 minutes on the field against the Patriots this week. Of course they're going to get worn down, and of course they're going to be less effective against the run as the game goes on because those are tired bodies out there. And it was the same case against the Patriots. The offense mm-hmm. wasn't able to go on long, sustained drives, a lot of three and outs, get the defense right back on the field. And that wears you down late in a game where you need to make a big stop on a third and four and you can't corral Ramondre Stevenson nope. because they're just pushing you off the line and he's a powerful back. <laughs> yeah, let's just go through that last drive by the Patriots. 13 plays, 46 yards. For six and a half minutes, yep. let's just go through it. Ready? Ramondre Stevenson, run. Ramondre Stevenson, run. Mac Jones, short pass. Uh, Mac Jones, scramble. Ramondre Stevenson, run. Stevenson, run. Harris, run. Harris, run. Two-minute warning. Belichick. Harris, run. All, you say these different names, but all I keep hearing is Belichick, Belichick, Belichick. Harris, Belichick. run. It's now the first third down of this drive. Second third down of this drive. Where you need it the most. You're within the two-minute warning. If you get this stop, I, I, I you got think a chance. you have one. You have a puncher's you, chance. You have one timeout left, right? They're on the Pittsburgh 20, so they get a field goal if you stop them here. You got a chance. But Damian Harris runs it again, and then it's just kneel downs from there. I think I counted one pass on that drive. The Patriots scored the touchdown on three plays and 10 yards after Gunner's muff. That made it 17-6. to The Steelers, to their credit, responded with their best drive of the day on offense. Nine plays, 75 yards down the field in just two minutes, 49 seconds to make it 17-14. to Then your defense forces the Patriots to mm-hmm. punt. That's huge. You go three and out. Then your defense gets another stop and forces the Patriots to punt. You go three and out. I think the defense could have gotten a stop at the end of the game on that six-minute drive to give the offense another chance. But, you but don't how can blame you blame them. them when they did it twice? They already did it for you twice, and you rewarded them by just going three and out. Hey, get back right out on the field. Hey, six, get back right out on the field. Six offensive plays for the Steelers in that in that fourth quarter after they scored that that uh, near game tying touchdown drive. Right, the Steelers' defense was off the field for two minutes and thirty nine seconds of game time. In that sequence of four punts in a row, Patriots punting twice and the Steelers punting twice after three and outs. That you know, you is know going what the to gas is? a defense. You know what the difference is? If we were to go back and look at those plays, and I know we, we, we'll get to Najee Harris later, some of his decision-making with, with certain gaps that were there and, and he chose otherwise, but the pass-to-run ratio, again, it, it was just how do you... 
how do you explain yourself when you kill off so little clock, right? It's not like you're at least moving the ball forward on the ground. The clock is ticking. You're giving your defense some time, right? Some time to catch their breath. It was just short pass after short pass, ineffective run after ineffective run, and there was just no sense of of, of game awareness, uh, clock awareness, which has been a huge criticism of this team over the past couple of years, that they're just allowing their defense to just get worn out as possible. I don't blame the defense for this loss at all because of that reason. I don't think you can ever put a loss on a defense in today's NFL when a when team they, doesn't reach 20 points. Yes, like, 17, yes. And and when seven of those points came off of a turnover. Yeah, exactly. There's there's not, not only a turnover, but then a stupid personal foul penalty that gave them even better field position after the mm-hmm. muff punt. So there's just no real hoping that they... Sure, you could say, ah, oh, you could hold them to a field goal there. But again, that's putting the blame on side of the ball that doesn't really deserve any it's kind of like so i saw a headline you know the browns blew it epically against the jets yes there was headlines in the new york post saying nick chubb's decision to score a touchdown and not go down inbounds cost the browns the game no it didn't that's, I believe that's a factor in it but i believe it's the browns defense who allowed two touchdowns in the final one minute that's and my point few like, seconds why are you blaming the guy for scoring a touchdown Mm-hmm. And it just seems like you're placing the blame in the wrong area. To go and not for, just not just to like go up, but to go up by double two digits. Scores. And I feel like it's the same thing if people are going to try to nitpick the defense and say, "Ah, could have held him to a field goal there when Gunner muffed the punt," or "Ah, you could have gotten another three and out or forced another turnover when that last six minute drive iced the entire game for the Patriots." Yes, you're right. Like I'm not going to sit here and say, "No, you're stupid. You don't know football." You absolutely are right. They could have done both of those things. But on the grand scheme of things, it's not their fault that this happened, just like how it's not Nick Chubb's fault that the Browns lost because he decided to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Stop the Jets from scoring twice with two minutes left. Get the on onside o- kick. On offense for the Steelers, score more than 14 points. Go on drives that are more than a minute and nine seconds of game clock burned off and having your defense go back out on the field. Yes, there are things that the defense could have done in this game to win it for the Steelers. I I think it's fair to say that unlike against Cincinnati, the defense did not win this football game. They had the one turnover with Minka, but the, there was no splash other than mm-hmm. that. There was no Cam Sutton dropped an easy interception. Right. There was no pressure on Mac Jones. They didn't go out there and win this football game, but they did not lose it either and they gave the offense every opportunity they needed to win it and the offense just couldn't win it was it was like the defense was get, handing the offense the game on the platter and say can you win us a football game this year this is probably one of the, the only ones that we're going to be able to hold this offense, offense to, to such few yeah. points without our superstar out here can you win this game for us? And the offense is like, hell no, I can't win this game for you. You no, guys, sorry. get a safety, get another pick six or something, because we're not doing anything. You're only allowing 17 points? Well, that's a shame. That's a shame. We're, we're only going to put up 14. We're only putting up 14. And we're going to really, really scratch and claw our way to this 14. Right, there were, it, it was two drives all day. Two drives out of probably, what, 10, 11 that they had in total? Well, the offense has scored, what, two touchdowns in two games now? So they're averaging a touchdown per, per game? Sounds pretty familiar, to this Pittsburgh team, doesn't it? It's worse than last year, though. Oh, I, I, I mean, I'm not even looking at last year. I'm looking at a total window of last year, the last six games of 2020, and the entire 2019 season. I know it's probably not fair to, to rope 2019 in there because you were throwing out Mason and Duck, but the point remains is that the defense is stifling these 
offenses. Yes, I know that the New England offense isn't as talented as the, as the Cincinnati one, but Belichick, as you pointed out, I was saying Stevenson run, Harris run. You were just saying this is just what Belichick does. And the Steelers were able to stop it for the most part. Yes, they allowed that one last drive to kill six and a half minutes of the final fourth quarter. But up until that point, right. there was really no offense pro- offensive production by New England. They had an easy touchdown drive because of the muff pump by Gunner. They had a long touchdown at the end of the first half off of one play. They weren't moving the ball anywhere near as efficiently as, as they could have been. One play... Uh, down the sideline to Nelson Aguilar. That was it. It was probably, what, a, a total of like a 65-yard drive, and 45 of them came on that final play? The defense was doing everything it could to stop that New England offense, and the offense on Pittsburgh just was not willing to step up to complement the defense. I hate to play this like hypothetical game, but like Ben, if this is Ben, they win that game. They score another point to. Well, that's, that's they, the they thing. get into a field goal range. They score another touchdown. They do something different. They they win that football game. Someone brought up the point that, and I don't. I I just realized how I said that it made me feel like I'm blaming Mitch for them losing, and that's not the case. It was not. He had a hand in the pile, but it was mm-hmm. not certainly all his doing. But I'm just trying to get it across that like. It was so bad last year, and we're two games in this year, and it's even worse. And mm-hmm. that was something we thought would be impossible. What I'll say about the Ben thing is that there were, what, six or seven fourth-quarter comebacks, game-winning drives or yes, something like that by the, the Steelers last year? the most of his career year? last year. You're not going to get that out of Mitch Trubisky. Maybe you'll get I'm not really sure, but you, you know already what? got one against Cincinnati. You got a game-winning drive. He put him in the field goal range in overtime to win the football game for them. Like, you can't rely, like you're saying, you can't rely on that every single every week. Every single week, right. Ben Roethlisberger has been doing it his whole career. Mitch Trubisky has not. I mean, yeah, he went one for one last week, but that was after. I mean, similar to Ben, right? Ben, ben has seen multi-touchdown leads evaporate before his eyes, and he has to go out there one more time and lead that offense down the field. But Mitch isn't someone who's going to be able to do it five, six, seven times per season. It just, it was very uninspiring. On the offensive side of the ball for the mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers. They're... Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Last week when the Bengals were driving or they kept getting opportunities to to 
go ahead in that football game. Steelers defense forced a four and out at one point, and then or a turnover on downs at one point, and then of course the the block extra point helped push that to overtime. But like I knew each time the Steelers had to give the ball back to Cincinnati, they're going to score. Like they're just this offense is going to score. Kind of like again with them this past week. I know they lost the game again on a field goal, but. They were down to Dallas the entire time, and I just knew they're going to score. They're going to tie did. the game. Yes. It's the exact opposite with the Steelers. You mm-hmm. were coming in like at the end of the first quarter towards halftime, and I'm just sitting there going, I don't think they're going to score again. No. I don't see how this offense scores again. Now, granted, they did, and they got a two-point conversion, and they made it 17-14, to 14, and they got their touchdown that they're allowed to get per game. They only get one. <laughs> and it's it just there's no confidence in it. There's no momentum where you can go – all right, had a couple of three and outs. They're going to put together a really good drive here. It's It doesn't inspire any confidence in the viewer watching that this offense is going to be competent enough to put points on the board when you need them to. It's it's the opposite. Every time they try it on the field, you expect them to go three and out. You expect them to punt the ball. And they do it. For the most part. There, there, is when, there was one drive, what, uh, this past week? where they, they came back from the gunner fumble punt, but as you stated in the, in the first game, there was only one offensive touchdown. That's all That's all they, they're allowed to do, right, per game. That's it. That's all their quota is, one per game. You can, If you average one touchdown per game in the NFL, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're, you're going to lose. You're going 2-15. and 15. Yeah. Like, you're not going to win many football games. And I'm not saying that the Steelers are going to go 2-15, and 15, I'm sure. I, I would hope that they're going to figure something out that will let them put more points on the board. You're going to struggle mightily doesn't if that's matter, what you're averaging. doesn't matter how good your defense is because defenses aren't designed to be out on the field for 40 minutes of a game, 45 minutes in a game. Offenses can do it because you're not chasing anybody. Yeah, the, and you the, control the, the, opposing, the tempo as an right, offense. Right, exactly. It is you are in control. The defense is the one who has to guess every single play what is going to come and and chase the ball carrier. Like, hey, you guys uh, need a breather here? Okay, I'll let this play clock. We'll sit in the huddle. We can let this thing go mm-hmm. down to 20. I'll call the play. Right. You know what I mean? Like on defense, like, hey, these guys are gassed. Up to the line. Let's go. Let's keep them going. You don't control the you don't you're reacting to everything on defense where like you're yes, saying on offense absolutely. you control it all. So Defenses are not designed to be on the field for as long as the Steelers' defense has been each of the last two games. And that's going to keep costing them if that continues to happen. If they continue to have such a disparity in the time of possession battle, it's just continuing to plague them as their defense is going to fade later in games. Offense didn't do anything to win this football game, but I don't think it was any offensive plays that you point to as far as what really impacted the Steelers losing this game. The two plays that you point to are... Akella Witherspoon has got to, at the High point very least, knock the ball down. Yeah. He should have picked it off. He had perfect position on It was one of those weird occasions where that coverage was flawless. I mean, he had him boxed to the sidelines. He turned his head. Everything you teach a corner to do, he did, except for high point the ball, and he gets mossed by Nelson Aguilar. You don't want to be getting mossed by Nelson Aguilar. No. That's not Jamar Chase. No. High points that ball, at least knocks it down. We're talking about a win for the defense getting into halftime at 3-3 no matter what. Then it was the gunner muff. Mm -hmm. The guy was brought in specifically for this role. Of course you would have seen him sprinkled in here and there in jet sweeps or creative plays on the offensive side, get a little screen pass out to him. You were going to see that. He was specifically brought in for punt returns, for 
security in the punt return game. And I'm not going to lie. Not just for some splash, because he gave us some splash against the Bengals. That's what I was going to say. But the main yep. part was, this guy's not fumbling a punt. This guy's going to make sure that when the other team has to punt away, we're keeping possession. We're taking the ball over. Yeah, and, and like we pointed to, or you just pointed to in week one, he's not just going to take the punt and make sure the Steelers don't give up possession. He's going to get you an extra 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 yards every time and put you into better field goal position. That was a huge criticism of last year's team was, A, the special teams was lacking on the offensive side of the on the receiving end of the ball. You couldn't get a you couldn't find a good returner. You couldn't get someone who was giving you that extra 10, 15, 20 yards. And then on the opposite side, Presley Harvin really was struggling. Well now yes. Presley Harvin has been incredible and Gunner has real I mean, not to be too literal, but has dropped the ball here. Not just dropped the ball, it clanged off his face yes, mask. Yeah. I mean, that's just super. It's just a bad look when you see that in slow motion. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, it's also a bad look when you only have 10 guys on the field for that play. Right. And I don't know this for fact, but I'm like 95% sure that when that happens, you're supposed to count when you're mm-hmm. Gunner. Like, you have to count the field in front of right. you and make well, sure that you're Well, that's exactly what Tomlin said in his post game press conference was he had two jobs. You're supposed to count the guys on the field, and you're not supposed to drop the punt. And he failed at both. He didn't count, which would then allow, or which would have either stopped the play or he would have recognized, okay, I'm just going to get the bleep out of the way because I don't have an extra blocker here. But he didn't do that, and then when he went to receive the punt, he dropped it. So Tomlin kind of gave him a two-striker on that one play. And what do you do now when... You know that's you, like I, I know they're going to go back to him. And yeah, I mean I don't I don't, I don't want them him. to just say yeah, like, of course oh, not. We're going to go back to. I mean they don't even have Anthony McFarland. But it anymore, makes really, he's use. on the practice squad. Well, I mean they're not going to bring him up Maybe, just to return punts. But they're just it, I don't know. Like especially because you paid a lot of money on this guy to yeah, return right. punts. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really baffling to me, and it's the it's the lur- worst guy that you wanted to see this happen to when he has one specific job, and then to compound it. Connor Hayward, little Hayward, gets a really bad personal foul penalty after the play's mm-hmm. over. And that's another guy where we didn't pay you like we did, Gunner, to come in and be a special team specialist. But we, but we drafted get... you to be a special team specialist, at least at the beginning of your career. And here. would any other team have drafted you if we didn't have Big Brother on the team? Like, did we give you know. did we give you a fair chance here? I don't know. Maybe he gets drafted by another team. I'm sure he would have made another NFL roster. I don't think the Steelers Maybe. are giving handouts like that. No. I mean, they did cut Terrell Edmonds' brother. So it's not like they're just, you know, completely like, hey, you have the same last name as one of our starters. You're locked in, baby. Don't worry about it. So I'm not sitting here thinking that, you know, they just did this as a total. I think he's an NFL caliber player. But you have to know, like, at least when you're starting and you're trying to carve out your role in this league, it's special teams. Mm-hmm. You can't take a personal foul penalty like that in such a big moment that's when gifting it's al- points to the other team. Right, when it's already such a bad play to begin with. Yeah, it's already you're already assuming that the Patriots are probably going to score a touchdown, mm-hmm. but there was still a little hope that maybe you hold them to a field goal when you have a couple first maybe, downs maybe, to work with. Maybe on that drive, you get quarterback pressures, you back them up a little bit, you you knock them out of... You at least of, have a couple of first downs to play with. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's first and goal at the 10. Mm-hmm. And it's just easy money for the Patriots because the, the air is sucked out of the stadium. All the momentum is on the, uh, the Patriots side of things, and they can punch into the end zone easily. So... We're going to get to the offense a lot in our second episode, talk about what's really wrong with him or, or how you can fix it, where do you point the blame, because you know you have to point the blame somewhere. 
It's just the, the rules of this business. Someone's to blame, and we'll get to the bottom of it. But those two plays really did, the Witherspoon and the, the Gunner muff, are the ones that stick in my brain as yes. how you lost this football game. And, of course, you know, it's never just a matter of one play loses you a football game. It's It's a ton of factors leading into a loss, but... Man, those two just stick out above the rest as ones that you, you gotta have. And and the gunner one more so than the Witherspoon one. I mean, with the Witherspoon one, you can criticize him and say, Yeah, you gotta get get up there and high point the ball. But at the same time, you can come back on the other end and say, But Aguilar made a great play. Like that's a great catch. Yeah. And he mossed him. Yeah. There's you, not you can't say gunner, that about anything on the gunner. Gunner play. was one versus zero. Exactly. All he, fair catch is like the force field. You put it up, and even mm-hmm. though that the the guy who was flying down the field uncovered, unblocked because the Steelers only had ten guys, he was standing in Gunner's face, mm-hmm. waiting for him to catch it. Uh, that's you know he can't touch you. If he touches you and you drop the ball, that's a penalty. You're getting fifteen. Yeah, it doesn't yards. matter if you yeah, drop the ball. Exactly. So I don't know if he like lost it in this. Like it makes me think like if he lost it somewhere on the way up, for, for it to just smack him in the face like that. He's good at this. Like, he's mm-hmm. not some rookie that, like, oh, man, at North Dakota State, he was amazing at punt returns last year. Uh, bring him in for that kind of security, and, oh, bleep, the NFL stadium lights are too big. Like, he did this all the time for the— pay- Maybe he mm-hmm. was a sleeper cell. Maybe he was a Patriots double spy that got sent over here to fumble upon the those. biggest moments. You know who always reminded me of that? Jacoby Jones, when he came here as a Steeler, as, as another return man, I always thought— this guy just loves it's a Baltimore. Raven spy. It's a lo- loves Baltimore so much. He doesn't care what it does to his career. He just wants to sabotage this team. It was just absurd to see it bounce off his face mask like that for mm-hmm. someone who's you know th- his archetype in the NFL is right. oh this guy's shorthanded in the return game. Nothing to worry about him whenever he's back there returning punts and Steelers. Of course need to worry about it now because you can't tell me that you're not going to hold your breath now each mm-hmm. time they punt, at least for the next couple games until he starts to, you know, be shorthanded again. Mm-hmm. No question I'm going to be worried about it. Offense a lot in the next episode, pretty much all of it. That's where a lot of focus has to go. They need to figure something out. They need to be more explosive. We'll tell you some things that they can do in our minds that might be able to aid that. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys to check out the Steelers Week in Review. It's hosted by Wesley Euler. It's a recap of the previous game, as well as a look at the Steelers' next opponent. New episodes drop every Tuesday, and they are available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of offense talk on the way next. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Opferman, and this is the Steelers Standard. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.